Hey there, folks. This is DeFi Alpha, and I am joined by Carnation. Hey, everyone. This is Carney. And this is DeFi. Um, how are we guys feeling today? Can we see some uh, some hearts or some claps or something if we're feeling bullish about Umami? We've had a lot of great conversations with the community um, lately. Yield Farmers Council has been awesome. Some of you guys are on that, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's just been fantastic dialogue with uh, some of our most involved community members. So, yeah, I think we're, we're feeling good. We hope you're feeling good, and we can't wait to start sharing um, some of the stuff we've been up to. So um, let's uh, let's get into it. I'm, I'm, there's a lot that I'm really excited to share. I think, as you guys um, know, I, I have spoken with uh, some of you guys at, at length um, already in some of our chats. So I know you guys are looped in. But um, we are preparing for our first—not um, our first, but you know—a a pretty important um, DAO snapshot. Very soon, we're going to announce the exact day tomorrow. Um, but I think you know there's a lot of a lot of exciting things that we're working on, and this is going to be a pretty important community decision um, for Umami. So I'm going to share with you guys a little bit about that. Um, before I get into that, I just want to remind you that you know, I know a lot of people can't um, aren't in a position where they can ask questions on the spaces. So just remember, you know, we've we've tweeted this now up on the Amin Umami Finance Twitter that you can hop into our Discord, go to AMA Questions and Chat, and ask away there as well. So a couple different options. Um, and with that, let's let's get into it. So basically, you know, what we're really excited about is that we're making great progress on our product pipeline. The, the biggest product I think, you know, everyone um, who's been following us is, is most excited about is our Delta Neutral USDC vault strategy. So that's going to be a vault for USDC um, that Intakes USDC, mints it into GLP, and then Tracer hedges, um, and generates upwards of 30% APR based on our estimates. Um, we've been working on it really hard. We have an amazing dev, OX Toki, who's been just exclusively devoted to um, putting it together. Um, and the good news is that the vault, the, the code itself is actually complete now. So we're on to testing. We're obviously going to make sure that it's perfect. Um, you know, another crucial topic that we're going to discuss today is our conversations with auditors. Um, and, you know, I'll get into that in more detail, but, you know, of course, we're going to make sure that an auditor um, has a chance to review it. Um, even if we aren't able to get a full code audit done, we definitely want to do a, a good detailed security check on top of the internal testing that we're doing. And, you know, everything points towards this vault definitely being on track to launch in May. Um, we're pretty excited about the timing. Stable vaults, as you guys know, I mean, they always do very well and attract a lot of TBL in the current market that we're in. Um, you know, we think demand's going to be extremely strong. Um, we have another fantastic dev, OX Burden, who's you know listening to us uh, right now in this chat, who's working on the APIs from Socket and Banksa, which I think most of you guys know at this point will allow anyone to ape into Umami and its different products from any chain or just direct onboard fiat onto Arbitrum and into our products. So that's going to expand the universe of TBL into this vault even more. Um, and along with that, we are getting cracking now on um, vaults on auto compounders for JonesDAO, um, as well as Spirex. Um, we're very excited for... Um, Dotbex, they're, they're going to be opening up some, some upgraded sort of V2 strategies for their farms. And when that happens, we're going to be able to build some really cool 
um, auto compounders for them as well. Um, and we also have just an array of other balancer LP auto compounders that we're working on. So I would expect to see those, you know, throughout May and June going live. So, you know, in our view, we're at just an incredible inflection point for the project. Um, we've gone from being, you know, first of all, just as you know, um, an ohm fork that sort of adopted the same, you know, tokenomic strategies as many others. And then, you know, we became allocators of protocol on liquidity. And now we're leveraging that protocol on liquidity to support, you know, this growing list of products um, with the, this vision that we've been moving towards of really being the entry point to Arbitrum and having these incredible strategies, you know, covering, you know, every major project, you know, on Arbitrum, giving broad exposure to the ecosystem and really letting investors of all experience levels and all um, risk tolerances kind of choose different forms of exposure based on the, the level of risk and, and complexity that they want to take on. You know, anything from this USDC vault, which is as simple and risk off as it gets, to these, you know, really cool auto compounders that we're building that should be, you know, tapping some of the highest yields available on the network. So we're moving towards that and we're moving towards it very fast. Um, we will be seeing, as I said, the, um, the USDC vault launched this month along with multiple auto compounders. So that's going to be a huge increase in TVL and a dramatic change really in the entire sort of tokenomic structure of our protocol because we're going to start seeing really significant fee revenue from these products start coming in. And of course, staked Arby's and marinated Umami, as well as, of course, Umami in our auto compounder, the Umami auto compounder, those are going to be the tokens that capture all that value. The purpose of all these revenues is to generate value for those tokens. So it's really, really exciting. Um, you know, the other thing I know a lot of you have in, in our community have flagged that we're fully in alignment on is the importance of getting an audit. Um, we are, you know, positioning ourselves clearly to dramatically increase TVL and, you know, we wouldn't want to you know, be taking on that level of, of TVL without first making sure that the code um, that, you know, underlies our, our smart contracts is completely safe and secure. So I have a very exciting update on that. Um, we've been working closely um, on our team with uh, Prepop Labs, which is an incredible longstanding member of our community, uh, a real whiz on all things solidity and, and all things technical in general. And he's been really driving forward the push to get a code audit. We are in talks with some auditors. Um, I think many of you are aware that we spoke to Trail of Bits. They did not have a slot available until January of 2023, which is not the timeline that we're thinking of for getting this audit done. So we are now talking to some auditors, also highly reputable, also auditors who have worked with very well-known DeFi projects who, are, who might be available by next month for their audit. So all these things could line up very, very well. So we're really, really excited about that. Um, and that takes us, I think, to, you know, the, the topic of the day, um, which is, you know, this upcoming DAO vote. And those of you who've been following our messaging on Twitter, on our Medium, on Discord, you know that, you know, we've been very keen to become a DAO. We think it's, you know, just sort of, it's, there are practical benefits to being a DAO. And there are, it's also, the fact that this is DeFi, there's, we think, an ethical imperative to become a DAO and always be, you know, maximally inclusive of our community, but of course in a way that, you know, really sort of supports and then supercharges the, the project for the long term. 
Um, and so, you know, with that in mind, we are issuing a pretty um, interesting snapshot, a pretty exciting snapshot vote to the community um, in the coming days. And the topic is pretty straightforward. We are proposing, the team is proposing, um, that the community approve the mint of 175,000 umami tokens to perform some really key functions that will enable our growth and help us execute on all these really exciting things that we're talking about. So uh, a sizable portion we propose um, of these tokens, 50,000 to 75,000, will be used in a Dutch auction to raise up to $1 million. Now, you, those of you who've been following closely might have you might recall that we had had a previous draft proposal that we submitted to community review that suggested $10 million. We had some reasons for suggesting that that have to do with um, amortizing the, you know, our operational costs over a larger base of assets. And that was compelling to us, which is why we proposed it. But um, for those of you who don't know, we've created this incredible group called the Yield Farmers Council, members of our community. Um, who are, you know, just, they're, they're not comped by the team. They're just representatives of the broader um, umami community, and they're in regular dialogue now with us on these, these questions of, you know, great community relevance. And, you know, their point, which I found highly persuasive, and as did others, you know, on the, on the team, um, was that umami is so undervalued that even if we were able to raise capital, you know, close to our net asset value, uh, you know, $10 million, it would still be dilutive because we should be trading well above net asset value. Um, and so, you know, we decided let's just raise a million dollars to give us a nice OPEX runway, do as little new issuance of umami as possible, um, and thereby, you know, protect the value of the umami for existing holders with the understanding that its true trading value should be well above net asset value. It should be potentially a great deal higher because of all this fee revenue that's going to be coming in from our vaults and our auto compounders and new project products in the pipeline. So that's why we adjusted it to 1 million through a Dutch auction, which should incentivize, um, we believe, you know, really successful price finding and, and the highest possible price. I'm very curious to see what the results are. There's a lot of interest though. Um, and so just to, to go back to kind of the mechanics of you know, this, this mint, we would mint 175,000 tokens and 50 to 75,000 would be used to raise up to a million dollars through a Dutch auction. Up to 75,000 would be kept in the treasury to cover current and future team and contributor comp. So I, to, to sort of level with those of you who are listening, we have not given ourselves the team Best 12 month vesting smart contracts yet. There have been some small amounts of umami paid out, but um, very little. And the reason for that is that we did not want to mint any new umami without community approval. Um, and we had other uses for the umami. We did some very small OTC raises to cover certain operational expenses. We, of course, have used umami to build our primary umami ETH LP and make that as liquid as possible. Um, and we've built several other LPs as we continue to invest in. Um, being a liquidity provider on Uniswap v3. So there have been all these other you know, needs for the existing umami on our balance sheet, and we haven't given anyone on the team vesting contracts yet. So we think that it's appropriate to do that. It's good for incentive alignment. Um, it keeps us competitive. It attracts the best talent. 
Um, and again, only part of that will award the current team, and then part will be set aside for future team members, DAO contributors, and so forth. Um, and then the final thing that we plan to do with the remaining Umami tokens, um, which could be as many as 50,000, is to add more liquidity to the Umami ETH LP. There's been a lot of feedback from the community that there is still quite high slippage, even on our primary and most liquid Umami ETH LP. So we are going to be um, immediately adding some additional liquidity layers to that, but um, also we, we recognize that to really get to a level of liquidity that matches the, the much higher level of interest in our project than, than we've had in the past, which is what we're seeing, we need to actually have more umami in circulation and a larger treasury so that we can put significantly more ETH into the LP and also USDC into our other umami USDC LP. Um, so that's going to be you know, a major priority as well um, from this, this token mint. Um, and just for any of you who are interested in participating in the Dutch auction, we're going to have a compensation structure for that in the form of six-month linear vesting staked CM umami. And I know that's a mouthful, but what that means is the tokens will be time-locked for a short period, you know, for six months. Um, but they will be they will steadily become liquid, so it won't be you have to wait six months for all of them to be unlocked. They'll unlock gradually over six months. And because it's staked CM umami, people will be collecting rewards the whole way through. That is the highest APY option within the entire Umami ecosystem. You'll be getting Arby's rewards that you can immediately um, collect and then stake for more passive income. So, you know, it's really, it. although there is this linear vest, it's still highly liquid and no value is lost. It just apes you into the highest value option. So that's, that's going to be how we structure the Dutch auction. Um, and I think that really covers most of the important things. You know, great progress on our security audit talks, the possibility of something happening within, you know, a month potentially, um, and actually having an audit completed with a great firm. This upcoming DAO vote um, for, with all the features that I just described and really fast progress on our, um, our upcoming products, uh, May launch for the USDC vault. So that's, that's pretty much my updates and with that, I want to pass it on to uh, to Carney um, to share some thoughts as well, and then we can open it up for questions. Yeah, um, actually, I'll start by um, repeating some questions from our Discord AMA channel. Um, this is from TCC. So one question is um, updating our treasury data on the dashboard. Um, so yes, we'll get to that very quickly. And the other good announcement there is we are building a backend API to be able to pull this um, treasury data live. And hopefully once we make sure that is all well tested, integrated, we'll be launching it. So all the data will no longer have to be um, updated manually for the dashboard. Although I will still be tracking it manually uh, on my side to make sure everything looks good and proper. Um, Second question, for the stable vault, do you need to own the Umami token to use it? Um, the answer is no, you do not need to hold Umami to benefit from this vault. Um, you can just go in directly. Um, that being said, this vault will have a performance fee, which is actually brought back to the Umami stakers. Um, the exact fee structure we will announce a little closer to launch. But what this essentially means is that, you know, if you don't hold Umami and use this vault, essentially you'll be paying a performance fee. But if you do hold Umami and use this vault, then sort of 
your fee is sort of going back to yourself. And also you can just hold Umami to benefit from um, the fees brought in by this fault. Uh, third question, um, how is the fee distributed um, for our auto compounders? So right now we're building out a series of auto compounders for the older ones. I'm thinking the sushi swap ones. Um, the fee is, I think, hard-coded to 50% RVs and 50% to Umami stakers. Moving forward, we'll be building auto compounders with adjustable fee parameters um, so that in case we need to upgrade something, we can do that without redeploying our contracts. Um, yeah, so those are a few updates from my side. And if y'all have any more questions, please type in the AMA questions channel in our Discord. Awesome. Thanks so much, Carney. Um, and I can't wait to uh, open it up for, for more questions. One quick thing that I forgot to add um, that we're very excited about. For those who missed it, um, we've added our second fully doxed advisor to our team. So for those of you who didn't know, um, Nick W is already um, a doxed multi-sig holder who also is our strategic advisor on business development. He's fantastic. We love having him. And he was our first doxed member on our multi-sig. We now have a second doxed advisor, Alex Golubitsky, who is a, uh, an attorney with a lot of Web3 experience who is going to provide legal, compliance, regulatory counsel um, for us, uh, given just kind of the, the many complexities right now in, in navigating um, the regulatory environment for DeFi. And he's just been a fantastic help so far. And I, you know, we're hopeful that um, even as we work as fast as possible to get audited, um, which we're very excited about, um, that having these doxed advisors, you know, with great resumes, Nick W has a fantastic uh, crypto native background um, with a prime dealer um, of cryptocurrency. And Alex, um, again, has, has this um, fantastic legal experience and, and personal investing experience in Web3. So, you know, we really hope that this will be something that will just help assure people that this is, you know, this is a project for the long term. We're very serious about what we're doing, very, very committed to doing things the right way. Um, and you're going to see more things that demonstrate that, like a thorough security audit very soon. So I just wanted to share that. It's something we're very happy about. And, and with that, I just want to, um, to open it up. Any, any questions here from the, uh, the Twitter spaces? If not, feel free to drop questions into AMA questions in chat. JD Tiger. Hey there. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing today? Very good. good. Um, so um, apologize. I, I'm driving right now. So if anything cuts out, um, then that is why. But um, I, I guess my question's a little bit on the, the minting of Umami. Um, has there been any any kind of modeling that the team has tried um, or attempted to, to do in order to see what the, the minting will um, what kind of effect the minting will have um, on slippage as well as general liquidity going forward. Um, and is that something that the team looks at um, as plug and play in terms of trying to see how that's going to work in the future? Um, or is that something that you guys are going to continuously test and expand moving forward? So you're specifically interested in its impact on on trading liquidity. Yes, sir. Is that yes, sir. right? Um, you know, one thing, actually, Stephen, are you able to talk? Um, if not, you can just use an emoji to indicate that. But we have our our Unity Three LP expert right here. So, oh, here we go. Let's let the let's let him speak for it. He's definitely the best source. 
Yeah, uh, that's a good question. Um, so, you know, what I could develop is simply if we're going to increase the um, supply by, assume, you know, 5 or 10%, uh, I can definitely just model that out and, and kind of uh, see what, what that type of uh, new token supply would do, uh, you know, for, for the trading price. Um, so I can I can definitely uh, make a spreadsheet and kind of point out exactly what, what I see happening. But at the end of the day, um, it's still, you know, it's still going to be able to be traded, right? Um, so even if there's more tokens, maybe they just go directly to the lockup. And maybe they go directly into the auto compounder. So we might not necessarily see that directly onto the market, um, especially like very soon, especially, you know, we have a linear vest lockup period for the bond. So um, I, I really don't think it'll it'll affect too much. But you know, as you guys, if you're in Discord, you know, we do have plans to increase the uh, liquidity uh, for the token, uh, in, in the coming days here. So, um, yeah. yeah. And I think what we might add to that. So Stephen hit on a very important point, which is that we are going to be immediately increasing liquidity for the, um, umami ETH LP, just starting tomorrow, um, by adding some additional trading bands, um, and then thickening up some of the layers that we already have in place because we have sense that, Slippage has increased because we're getting more demand from from holders, and we're seeing you know larger block trades in and out of Umami, which is ultimately very bullish. But we we do need to adjust the LP to accommodate that slippage has gotten high. But I think one important thing to emphasize that Stephen was alluding to there's really two points. So the first is that the Dutch auction itself will be compensating um, the OTC investors with six months linear vested staked CM Umami. Um, it's a mouthful, but the point is that they're going to be getting the maximum amount of rewards from the project, but they're going to be vesting their, their, their comp that they receive from their OTC investment will be vesting over six months. So we're not going to see a big dump at all in the near term, but what's exciting is, is that, you know, to JD Tigers and Stevens point, we really have too much interest right now to accommodate the you know current amount of liquidity in our LP, um, and there's we have very limited umami left in our treasury to add to that. So there's going to be positive slippage on buys until we do this mint, um, and there's only so much that we can do about that, to be honest, because we are running out of umami in our treasury. Um, the mint will relieve that pressure a little bit, um, and we'll, of course, also be raising a million dollars from the OTC investment, which will give us the means to bolster the ETH and the USDC in both of those um, trading pairs on, on Uniswap V3. So our expectation is basically that you know, we want to get slippage down to, to a minimum. Um, for those of you who know, we, we historically had this strategy of kind of thinking that our price should trade around net asset value. And we didn't have a lot of liquidity um, beneath net asset value because we simply expected the price to sort of find that um, that price point and stabilize there. But now that we're creating all of these revenue streams from these new products, we don't think net asset value is going to be so relevant anymore because it's going to trade dramatically above that figure over the long term, we believe. Um, and so for that reason, we are going to be changing our strategy to you know, still Uniswap v3, um, most likely. We've talked also actually about Uniswap um, creating a second LP on Uniswap v2. 
But in either case, even if we use Uniswap v3, um, we will be having, you know, more, more, you can describe this better than me, Stephen, but our, our liquidity bands will be closer together and we will have more Umami and ETH or Umami and USDC liquidity in each so that there really should be a nice smooth movement of price at different price points and not this jerkiness that we've been seeing lately. So I, I hope that that answers your, your question. But to be honest, you know, we sh we're definitely game to model it. And I know Stephen's been, uh, we've been talking with Stephen about that. And, and I think that's something that we are, are planning on doing. But even short of a model, I think it's fair to say that this mint and, you know, the additional treasury capital um, is going to dramatically reduce slippage. And with our new strategy, where there's really no kind of ceiling on price, this net asset value figure won't be as relevant anymore. Um, we just want to have nice, you know, thick liquidity at, at every conceivable price point. Um, do, you, do you want to add to that, Stephen? Yeah, you, you explained it very well. And, and just to just kind of point out the fact that, you know, we do have, we had these very high liquidity zones that were essential to allow um, large trading. And, uh, you know, now that we're at a, a pretty fair valuation, um, we're going to be able to easily uh, decrease slippage by 50%. So um, that, that's just the first stage of this. And yeah, we, we definitely do want a very liquid token. Uh, it's just going to take some time to develop that and get the funds and, and make sure the market is ready for that. And, you know, obviously, we really want to protect the current Umami holders because the more Umami tokens that are on uh, the market at lower valuations, uh, the more Umami tokens that could be staked. And then that would uh, essentially lower the APR for uh, current holders. So we always have the community in mind. Um, but it's, it's definitely time to, um, to, to up the game as far as liquidity. And, and we're definitely going to do that and, and, and make it uh, a little bit more similar to like a sushi swap or a standard v2 where the, um, the curves are, are much more smooth does that answer your question jd tiger and if you have any other questions feel free to fire away no absolutely does and um just just for um a little understanding on, on why i ask I'm, I'm constantly in communication with um you know what i consider to be the average average joe investor trying to break into the DeFi world um and they look at umami and they see a lot of safe um, they like the docs, uh, team members, they like the way the communication has been. Um, but one of the things that's a concern is the jerkiness of the price. Um, and there's not a lot mm. of, um, not a lot that you can do in terms of qualming that fear until you're able to, to, to patch up the liquidity. So that's just my questioning on that. So yeah. I appreciate the answer. Yeah, thank you. And I mean, I might use this as, as a little plug just to, to the community that, you know, this is why we do support this mint. Um, you know, the, the key point here is that once this fee revenue gets going, any, I mean, let me make actually a few points. So when we mint the tsunami, again, a lot of it is not going to be pushed immediately into circulating supply. Uh, it might be on in team vesting contracts. It might simply sit on our balance sheet for an indefinite period of time set aside for future compensation. Um, it might go into our LPs as, as um, we've been talking about. And even what's issued to OTC investors will be time locked. So, you know, we it's not going to have this effect of sort of you know, immediate significant dilution or sell pressure. But even more importantly, you know, we believe that the reasons that we are doing this mint are so aligned with you know our, our long term goals of you know really being this this you know entry point to Arbitrum with many different products and generating lots of revenue and you know really sort of uncapped upside for the token that we don't. We think that any 
dilution relative to that net asset value figure that you know we have been focusing on um, in recent months uh, because we've primarily just been generating revenue by allocating our treasury assets. Um, we, we think that any dilution to that net asset value figure is going to be very quickly offset by the benefits of protocol revenue from all the products. And, you know, to the point on the liquidity, you know, the other big benefit of the Mint will simply be, you know, the Mint and the OTC together will be enabling us to have the capital to build out a really robust Uniswap v3 LP. Um, it, it needs to have significantly more ETH and Umami in it at, you know, multiple um, different trading ranges, um, and we know that, and the only way to get there is through um, raising some additional capital and minting some additional umami. So, you know, we, we will get there, and we will get there very soon. Um, but, yeah, very, very, very good and valid question, because we, we've noticed that the price has been too choppy lately. Yeah, and I want to add to that, too, and, and, and as far as, like, a target, you know, our high liquidity ranges uh, has about 25 ETH worth of support in a 2% two, in a 2 range. So, you know, having about, you know, $75,000 worth of liquidity for every 2% is about our goal. And, um, you know, so that is something that we want to uh, definitely work towards. Um, cool. Anything else, JD Tiger? Otherwise, we should, uh, we can open it up to any other questions. Um, there's a few questions from the Discord, mostly about details um, of the vault. So one question is... Um, how are we going to maintain this 30% APR? So that number is not a hard promise because the performance of the vault depends on the performance of the underlying assets, which is primarily GLP as well as the tracer hedges. Um, and recently, uh, people brought up a good observation that um, GLP's APR for the week has dropped down to 21-ish or 26, I think, last time I checked today, um, percent in annualized. And the reason for that is um, the trading volume over the last week on GMX has been lower than previously. And um, hopefully this picks up over time. But if we just look throughout um, the growth of the GMX platform, um, over a long-term horizon, the average trading volume does increase month to month. So we are hopeful that this will pick up back again, that last week was more of a slow week. But on the other hand, we do have a few mechanisms in place that we can use to um, smoothen out, I guess, the volatility of the yield. Um, one is the idea of a, I guess, reservoir or reserve module, where if the rates are higher than 30%, this reserve will slowly fill up with time. And should the APR drop for some reason for a very short period, this reserve can be used to, um, I guess, recharge the vault. Um, so that is one method. Another one that um, we can use to boost the vault, which is actually pretty cool, is that um, we've gotten a chunk of escrow GMX as an OTC deal from the GMX platform, and we're going to direct the yield from this chunk um, into the vault as sort of a boost and also to charge the reservoir. Um, and we also, I guess, um, so these are not exactly in place yet. I am kind of making some ideas. Um, the other idea is we can use some of the vault fees to accumulate GMX, um, so the liquid version of the token. And the GMX platform, we can permalock it into the vault in the sense where it keeps generating yield for the vault. Um, so again, to recharge the reservoir faster or to just boost the APR um, once the reservoir is filled. 
Um, and the nice thing about the GMX token is that it has a multiplier point system where the longer you keep it, I guess, um, locked and staked, the more multiplier points you get. And so the bigger share of the total um, platform goes to you. So uh, the nice thing about vaults is that um, they're not alive. They don't have lifespans. They don't care about time. They can hold things forever. They're the best diamond hands. Um, so, you know, um, in the beginning, um, the the amount of boosts available might not be high, but at the same time, the TVL might not that be uh, might not be that high. So it sort of evens out. But over the long term, um, the amount of tokens that will go towards boosting this fault will almost um, indubitably increase over time. So um, you know, if no more people enter this vault, uh, the APR does go up with time. Um, that being said, um, one of the questions is that. Um, Will we have a cap on this vault? So we haven't decided yet, but most likely that is a more prudent approach to take. Thanks, Karin. That was a really good update. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think that that gives you an idea of, of some of the different levers that that we're going to be able to pull. I mean, the thing, some of the things that really excite me about the vault strategy are first, um, you know, one thing that we've begun to message more is, you know, we're moving away from thinking of you know, our treasury assets, our protocol-owned liquidity as, as the primary source of value for the token because we think that, you know, it should be trading well above net asset value. Um, but we also are really excited about the, pos the prospects for using protocol-owned liquidity as a strategic asset. And that's how we're thinking about it more and more as we roll out these, these new products. So um, Carney's hit on some great examples. We can take liquidity on our balance sheet we can seed the vault with ESGMX. We also have, as, as you guys know, a ton, millions of dollars of GLP on our balance sheet. We can seed the vault with some of our treasury assets to provide a base of liquidity, um, to provide you know, boosted yields, because you know, that, that yield will be sort of already in place and being generated and being compounded even before um, people start depositing or withdrawing tokens and will be kind of added to the overall pool. Um, and it provides also some safety because... You know, going back to Carney's point about putting a cap on the total number of assets, the TVL of the vault, the reason we might do that at first is that, you know, no strategy is perfectly delta neutral. Um, we do plan to insure the vault, but um, in terms of just managing liquidity, um, particularly if there are volatile markets, it's ideal to have a nice buffer of permanent capital um, from the Treasury that... Um, is there and is available essentially to avoid a run-on-the-bank type of situation um, if everyone wanted to withdraw at once at a time when the market was down and maybe, you know, GLP uh, and, you know, was worth, you know, had dropped a little bit more than the tracer hedges had were able to offset them. Those sorts of, you know, fringe downside scenarios, having that base of stable protocol-owned capital in the vault um, is very helpful. And again, it also helped add on to to the yield from the strategy above and beyond you know what what people would be getting if they were just doing this themselves um, and so those are really powerful strategic benefits of having protocol loan liquidity um, and it's another reason you know why we do think we will be continuing to do capital raises you know with always with the community vote um, first from time to time um, and then the other point you know that Carney mentioned that's particularly exciting is you know when we talk about 30 percent APR, um, that's calculated 
without really considering the value of the ESGMX rewards. And there's actually a ton of benefits to that. One, ESGMX rewards decline over time. Um, those, those emissions are not going to last forever. The real base of value um, of yield being generated to this vault is the trading fees on the GMX platform, and, and those um, come in the form of ETH yield to GLP. And that should be growing, of course, as more people go into GMX and Arbitrum continues to take off. Um, so the fact that we don't rely on those ESGMX incentives to hit our 30% APR is a huge advantage because then what happens is we're going to hold that ESGMX in the vault. And that's going to accumulate and it can be compounded. You know, we build auto compounders, we know how to do that. Um, and that, that can continue to grow. And what that does is it, A, provides you know, an even bigger buffer if there are any market movements to protect um, people who are doing withdrawals, so that people will always withdraw, um, you know, they will never lose any value that they deposited um, as long you know, as a result of that that growing buffer of assets. And then, secondly, it's a source of additional yield. And once we hit a point where we've built up such a big ESGMX buffer that you know, we have no concerns about liquidity management. Um, then, you know, first of all, we can remove a cap, any TVL cap. Um, so any TVL cap would be temporary. Um, and once we have enough um, built up in the vault, we can remove that cap, grow TVL. And um, also we can start distributing some of the rewards that the ESGMX has been accruing um, as part of the reward stream to depositors. So there'll be an even you know, higher APR in the future, essentially, uh, because of that. So. I know we threw a lot at you, and we will document all of this rigorously, um, so you have a nice reference point in our docs. Um, and by the way, we do have revised docs if you want to check those out. Um, but yeah, hopefully that, that answers um, any questions around that. Do we have other questions? We're seeing a question about insurance. I mean, there's obviously different types of insurance. We are going to... Um, Purchase insurance to protect against, for example, you know, an abrupt movement in um, USDC, um, which is you know, always a, a tail risk with these sorts of strategies, and we can insure against that. And uh, we know projects that can be very helpful um, in providing that for the vault. And you know, the other form of insurance, of course, is effectively just hedging. And you know, our hope is that our delta neutral strategy and then the tracer hedges will be sufficient. Um, but we are definitely, um, we're, we're working on building a pretty dynamic model for this. Um, and if we conclude that there are some scenarios where the tracer hedges would not provide enough protection, we will look into, you know, other, essentially other hedges to guarantee that delta neutrality. Do we have any questions here on the spaces? Anyone else want to chime in? I see some people typing in our AMA questions and chat channel. Um, in Discord, so I'll respond to those. So here's an important question um, from from OKRASF um, that I mean gets to the heart of our, our strategy. Um, what do we mean by fees accrued shared with Umami holders? Is it just returns on invested treasury capital? Um, are there any fees that are more like productive protocol fees? Well, that's the whole point of our strategic pivot, right? Um, it's not even a pivot. It's just it's an evolution, and it's in line with what we've you know been been talking about. But so far, you know, we have about two hundred thirty thousand dollars per month of revenue to the treasury, that is almost exclusively from um, treasury assets that are um, 
you know, deploy it across Arbitrum in, in different yield farms and other strategies. Um, a lot of it's in GLP. And, you know, that's generating yield. And so that, that creates, you know, most of the $230,000 per month that we receive in our treasury um, presently. But the whole idea of building this delta neutral vault, like I, I want to make this very clear that, that this vault isn't something that we're going to just put our treasury assets into, right? This is a vault that's going to be open to deposits with USDC from all. They will be able to withdraw freely. So it's not the same thing as bonding. Right, it's not the same thing as a capital raise. It's a vault, um, you know. And I mean, if you're looking for a comp, think of a urine vault, right? And and that vault will absolutely pay fees back to the treasury. And you know, a stablecoin vault that can generate 30% plus APR, we expect to capture an enormous amount of TBL over time. And so the fee generating potential for small deposit fees, small withdrawal fees, and then some, you know, fee as a percentage of the uh, APR. It can is very very high, and that should you know have a multiplier effect over time on our protocol revenue, and that also applies to all the auto compounders that we're building. When we have auto compounders for DOPX, auto compounders for Spearax, auto compounders for Jones, and you know, multiple balancer LPs, that's going to generate very considerable revenue as well, and that that's really what makes Umami exciting and makes its upside sort of uncapped, because if it were just a function of deploying treasury assets, then you can just ask yourself, what's the maximum amount of yield that can be produced you know, by assets on Arbitrum? And that would be the upside, you know, the limit to how much um, you know, the benefit for, for holding and, and staking Umami would be. But when you then layer on top of that you know, growing protocol fees and start leveraging that protocol on liquidity as a strategic asset to support new vaults, new auto compounders and other strategies, you unlock, you know, basically uncapped upside for the project. So that's what we're doing. And that's why May, this coming month, um, is going to be so exciting because we're going to go live with some of these projects, products, and we're going to start seeing that revenue come in and greatly compound um, and accelerate the, the yield generating potential of Umami. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's what we're excited about. Any other questions, guys? I see a couple more folks typing um, in AMA questions in chat on Discord, so I'll, I'll wait for those, and I'll answer those questions. Hey, DeFi. I mean, I got something. I, I'm yeah. kind of with someone that's too afraid to, to ask it themselves, but so I'll ask <laughs> it for them. Um, right. They are a little bit curious on um, when it comes to the future of the DAO protocol, um, what is Mommy looking to do in order to avoid something of a hostile takeover um, in the sense of someone trying to manipulate um, the DAO in order to lead the project in a way that the community as of now probably wouldn't be interested in. Great. Um, I love that kind of thinking around governance, right? And I'll just sort of speak in some metaphors that I think kind of will help convey our thinking, right? So I think like there's maybe this default assumption that a DAO is kind of, for lack of a better term, a direct democracy, right? Meaning you accumulate, you know, however many tokens you accumulate, and then that, you know, just is, that is your influence in the, in the project, right? And so if some whale chooses to buy a whole ton of, you know, tokens, they can, you know, run, run roughshod um, over the project and, you know, maybe, you know, do um, something more short term in, in their orientation just to kind of get a quick, uh, quick benefit on, on their investment. And, you know, the truth is when you talk about a DAO, there's no rule that says that you have to have your governance structure work in that way. The much more likely 
approach, you know, just to kind of use that metaphor, direct democracy versus um, representative democracy, right, is, is it will probably function more like a representative democracy. And what, what that means for us is that we envision, you know, not just totally letting go of control so that any whale who accumulates enough can hijack the project, but rather, you know, the team will will seek input from the community on key questions, right, um, frequently, like we're doing with this OTC raise, um, through snapshot votes. And, you know, that'll be a very, very important part of the process of, of moving forward on certain initiatives. We can choose different what they call snapshot strategies. So we don't need to have a strategy that is just one M umami equals one vote. We can gently whale proof it. So there can be kind of a, a tapering effect where, you know, once in a while it has, you know, 10,000 umami, maybe each umami is effectively going to count as, you know, 0.6 votes, right? Whereas if you have a smaller holder who has 100, every single one counts as one. You can come up with different algorithms like that, and we do want to explore that. In the future, but but the real point is, you know, the the team and the multi sig are still going to have, you know, a lot of control over key decisions, and, and no one would be able to just say buy a bunch of umami and then you know buy fifty one percent of umami and push through a vote that says take the contents of the treasury and give it to this wallet holder, right? Like that, and then win because they have fifty one percent. Like that, we don't need to structure it so that its back door is wide open like that. What we're probably going to do is this slow, deliberative process of seeking community approval on key strategic moves, tinkering with the exact snapshot voting strategy to make sure that we're empowering our smaller holders as well as our whales and also rewarding our long-term holders um, and really not giving voting to people who are um, not even going to time lock their umami. And then, you know, with things like the Yield Farmers Council, and, you know, we're going to have a DAO bounty board to bring in, you know, contributors, we can start creating these DAO working groups that will have some autonomy within certain areas um, and can have votes around those things. Um, but that can all be the slow process of opening it up to the community in a very thoughtful way with a lot of back and forth dialogue. Um, and at no point would we just say, you know, we're, we're going to just kind of throw this up and, and let, let the chips fall as they may um, with respect to a DAO. It, it'll be very deliberative and, you know, the multi-sig, which includes, you know, again, doxed individuals like, like Nick, um, who I see is on the call, um, you know, we're, we're going to be safeguarding the community treasury and keeping things at a very long-term focus. Um, and, and we'll make sure that, you know, as we ship to a DAO, that that is not lost in the process. I hope that makes sense. Yep, great perspective. Really appreciate that. Thank you. Cool. Any other any other questions, guys? We're getting on an hour, so I think uh, could be a good time to to wrap it up. But I just really want to thank everyone um, again. The DAO vote is going to be um, coming very soon, um, so please um, tune in. If you have any questions, any hesitation um, around voting yes to the proposal, you can reach you know you can reach out to me. I'm, I'm DeFi Alpha. On the on the Discord, um, reach out to Carnation, who's Carnation, um, or any any anyone else on the team. There's a lot of us here, and yeah, we're really excited. I just really appreciate your time and your interest, and couldn't be more excited about where things are going. So thank you guys, um, and we'll talk soon.